Hello, and thank you for tuning in to Husky Talk. Our hosts today are Landon Hill and Randy Spensley. After volunteering for the editor run, she sold everything she owned and moved to Alaska to run dogs. Please welcome to the show, Karen Hendrickson. What is up, Karen? Not much. How are you this morning? I'm good. Welcome to Husky Talk, and we're glad to have you on the show. Thank you. Before we start our interview, we are going to test your Iditarod knowledge. We have five Iditarod trivia questions for you. Are you ready? Oh, boy, no. <laughs> I'll try. Who was the first female champion for the Iditarod? Dick Wilmar. Female. Oh, I'm sorry, female. Oh, Libby. Correct. What is the halfway checkpoint for the northern route? Cripple. Yes. How many minutes apart do mushers start? Two. Except on the ceremonial start when every fifth one is three minutes so that they can have a commercial break. Did you know that? We did not know that. (laughs) Well, there you go. What was used for the very first finish line? Kool-Aid. Yes. Who has the fastest finish time? Fastest finish time? Oh, it's probably Dallas. Mitch Seavey. Oh, well, one of those Seaveys, anyways. Good job. You are four out of five. Now to find a little more about you. First of all, can you tell us a little bit about yourself? Well, um... I came up to Iditarod as a volunteer in 2001. My mother kind of twisted my arm to have me come and visit, and I didn't really think that volunteering in Alaska in the middle of winter was that great of an idea, but um, you could see what happened after that. Um, I'm one of the only mushers that I can think of that works full-time and trains a team. It's incredibly difficult to manage because I'm gone 10 hours out of the day, so I have a lot less time to take care of dogs and do the training I need to do. Um, Let's see, what else? I've done Iditarod eight times, and I'm signed up for my ninth race, and I have my own bloodline that I've developed over the years of very tough, maybe not as speedy, but very tough dogs with good feet and good hair and absolutely fantastic attitudes. So um, bottom line for me is that uh, the dogs make it all worthwhile. Talk to us about what inspired you to move to Alaska. Well... I've always done lots of adventurous type stuff. I've done whitewater kayaking and rock climbing and skied competitively and trained horses and done a lot of hiking and stuff. Um, So when I came up and volunteered at Iditarod and got a chance to go dog mushing and basically got scared to death because I hit some trees and broke some teeth and and had a pretty exciting run, I thought, wow, this is like the next great adventure. So... um, And I love Alaska and the people up here and the attitude that everybody has that, like, if you're tough enough, grab a team and let's go do it. Uh, I just really, really like that resilient, self-reliant kind of attitude that is everywhere in Alaska. So um, lots of good reasons to come up here. We read when you first moved here you worked as a handler. Can you talk to us about what a handler is and what this experience was like? 
Sure. Um, so being a dog handler basically means you're helping the musher um, with all of the chores and duties and getting the dogs trained because it's really more than one person can do. Um, a handler typically works just for room and board and the chance to learn a lot. Um, and it can be my first year and my second year handling. I mean, we're talking like 14, 16, 18 hour days, lots and lots of hard physical labor outside, muddy, sloppy, you know, wet food and meat cutting. And it's, it's a pretty grubby job, but you do get some really great experiences and learn a lot. Um, and so part of what I think is really great for me is because I started as a handler, I know what that experience is like. I know how tough it can be, and I know what the rewards are. So when I have a handler come to my kennel, I, I kind of know what their experience is like, and I try to make it worth their while um, and make sure that they get to learn the things they want to learn, and I share all the information that I can with them about how I train and how I prepare. Um, so I think it's a really great way to get into dog mushing for people who want to learn from somebody who really knows what they're doing. We know you love what you do, but you spent about a year away from mushing. Can you talk to us about that? Sure. Um, about five years ago, I was in a very bad accident when I was out training with dogs. A car came off the highway and did not hit the dogs, but it did hit me. Um, and it was the kind of accident that most people don't survive. And I actually did okay, but I got injured pretty badly. Um, so I deal now with a lot of physical limitations and a lot of pain almost all the time I'm in a certain amount of pain. And then when I do something physically really demanding like I did a rod, which is a challenge even when you're in excellent shape, it's very, very difficult. Um, it's just, it's, it's harder now than it used to be. And I thought, well, I'll take a year or two off and see if there's other things I can do that are still really satisfying that I really care about that maybe aren't so grueling and what I found out was there's not really and I missed racing and uh, I just needed to get back to that what was the recovery like well I was told uh, that I would probably be able to run dogs again but I'd never be able to really compete um, and the next year I came back and raced I did a ride again so uh and I was told, I went to inpatient rehab, which is where when you have a really bad injury or something, you live in the hospital and they do therapy with you and help you learn how to walk again and take a shower by yourself and get up off the floor in case you fall, like all those things that you, you can't physically do anymore. I was told I would be in inpatient rehab for six to eight weeks um, and that I would have to be able to pass a whole bunch of different physical tests before I would be allowed to go home and be on my own again. I was in that inpatient rehab for two days and made all the progress that I had to make and was checked out after two days. So I would say that my rehabilitation was a lot of determination and pushing as hard as I could to get back on my feet and back on the runners. What was the most difficult part when getting back on the trail after your injury? Just learning to manage the pain um, because one of the things about racing is that your dogs have to be your priority and you have to be functional enough to take care of them. You have to take their booties on and off. You have to give them straw and make them food and put their blankets on and make sure that the dogs are taken care of. Now, if my back is 
so painful that I'm not able to walk and I can't take care of my dogs or I can't safely drive over the terrain that the trail goes over and make sure that I can take care of the dogs and hang on to the team when we're driving, then I'm not safe to run the race. So the biggest challenge for me was was making sure that um, I would be functional enough to take care of the dogs. And I really didn't know that first race back. I didn't know if I could, and I thought I might have to scratch if I just get to the point where I'm in so much pain I can't do it. Um, but I managed to finish, so that turned out pretty well. Talk to us about how it felt when you first got back on the trail. Oh, it was wonderful. Just because it was so hard to get back there, you know, and when you have set a big challenge for yourself and you succeed, it just makes you feel like you can do anything. So you're back and all signed up for this year's I Did It Rod. What does that feel like for you? Um, it actually just feels kind of like coming home. Uh, I've done it enough times that I know how to get there. I know how to get the dogs trained. I know all the logistics and planning and preparation, which there's a lot to that. I know how to do all that stuff, and so I can just get busy and do what I know how to do. So that feels nice. The next part of our show we call Would You Rather. We have five Would You Rather questions for you to answer as quick as you can. Are you ready? I'm ready. Idaho or Alaska? Alaska. Air pollution analyst or musher? Oh, musher. Would you rather have bron- bronchitis or never play with your dogs again? Oh, bronchitis is that's the easy one. You can get over that. Mount Baldy or Wasila? Mount Baldy. On or off the grid? Off. What is your go-to song to listen to on the trail? Uh, Blue on Black. It's a song by Kenny Wayne Shepherd, and it's the name of my kennel. We are asking everyone to tell us three people you think w- would be good guests on our show. Um, let me think here. I would say... Um, Joe May, he won Iditarod in 19, I believe 1980, and he still lives in a cabin in Trapper Creek, and he's a very interesting guy. Um, I would say three. That's very hard. There's a lot of people. I would say Diana Maroney. She's run Iditarod uh, ten times, as well as the Yukon Quest and a race in Russia called The Hope race um and she's also an iditarod pilot now so she's seen the race from many many different sides and then i would say um mark nordman he is the race marshal has been for many many years and he knows the race inside and out and he's a very interesting guy um thank you for those we've tried but joe we've tried joe but he turned us down because he can't hear very well Oh, wow. Okay. Thank you for taking the time out of your day to talk to us. We hope you have a great rest of your day. Well, thank you very much. You guys did a great job researching, and you had good questions. Special thanks to our guests, Karin Hendrickson, for taking the time to be on our show today. Subscribe to us on iTunes and tune in next week. We would also like to give credit to Hobo Jim for our theme song, the I Did a Red Trail song. And now enjoy a clip from Karen Henderson's favorite song, Blue on Black by Kenny Wayne Shepard.